sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I wasn't expecting to <laughs> this. Um, Oh, I so wish I hated this church. <laughs> I really do. I really do. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> yeah. um, I just feel lost for words. I, it's been a struggle to prepare this week anyway, but um, yeah, this has been the hardest week of my life by far. And... Um, I've had conversations with some of you that have just been really difficult and heartfelt and um, I don't want this to be about me. I really don't. Just You just need to know what a great church you are. And there's no place like this. There's, there's no family like this. I think whenever you go somewhere else, you, you go to church, but we are family. And uh, as a different thing, and I can't help but compare when I go out other places, and the other people always come off worse in my comparisons. And uh, yeah, I'm really sorry. I just thought I'd be all right. Just get up here and do what I do, but uh, I'm struggling today. Um, I think the first message I preached, um, I preached it with fear and trembling, and uh, <laughs> it was an encouragement. I think I looked up twice, once at the beginning and once at the end, and <laughs> the rest of the time I was just in the, in the books. And Actually, Joel, you really encouraged me this week, didn't you? You said to me, <laughs> all my messages over the last five years are out the window. It's just what I say today that matters. And <laughs> <laughs> Where can you get friends like this? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, you know, I, I, I read the Bible and I, and I see the last words of Jesus and I see the last words of Paul and, and they're so profound, aren't they? The things they say and I'm thinking, <laughs> what am I going to say today? You know, I can't even compete with that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I don't know how this is going to go, but... I just really um, felt that, well, I heard a message recently that was so timely and it was on the purposes of God. And um, it's a little bit ironic maybe in the situation we're in right now and what's going on here as a, as a church, you know, for me individually, I'm sure for many of you in your own lives, um, sometimes these questions come up about the purposes of God and... Um, I can't look at some of you. Um, um, because sometimes life doesn't make sense. And sometimes you face things and you, you, you're left asking questions. 
And if we're really, really blunt about it, we are asking questions about God. Uh, we, we face circumstances, we can face situations, we can face things and we can just be like, I don't get this. And where are your purposes in all of these things? And it's been some of those questions that I've been asking recently. It's been some of those things that I've been exploring. It's been some of those things I've been looking at. And um, I guess any season you're in, if you look through the Bible, you'll find what you're looking for. You know, if you're, if you're sick, you'll find healing. If you're in lack in any way, you'll, fri- you'll find prosperity. If you're depressed, you can find encouragement. And you can look through the Word of God and you can find a word for your season. And uh, I think when, when you're in a season where things are not clear and, and you don't get it, you, you can look through the Bible and, and you can land on some stuff that maybe you didn't see before. <coughs> and uh, as I've read through the scriptures, there, there are some things that, or some stories that, that, I've, that I've seen and, and I thought, wow, you know, some of what people experienced and, and just the weight of their... Uh, of their journey, and um, I, I t- I'll give you an example. We, we take we take the the crucifixion in the Bible, and if you've ever seen the Passion, you see the detail. You see how much goes into you know someone being crucified. Yet in the Bible, it just says, "And he was crucified." <laughs> and, and I think sometimes we skim over some stuff because we just we don't see the weight of it. But sometimes when you, you're in certain seasons, you're looking for stuff, and so you can see it. Um, and, and I was reading just through the Bible and some stories just jumped out at me and, and just how people would have questioned the purposes of God. And I think about Joseph and this man who has two dreams and, and you can tell he's so certain of the meaning of the dreams that the way he portrays it, his brothers come back to him and say, oh, are we going to bow down to you? And are you going to be our king? So Joseph in his very announcement of his dreams knew the calling upon his life to be a ruler, to be uh, called to lead. Yet, he finds himself in a ditch. And then he finds himself sold into slavery. And then he's in prison for two years. And and it's one of those lines we go, he was in prison for two years. (laughs) And you go, hang on a second. Here's a man who is believing God has got a purpose for his life, has got a something for him. He's called to something, and yet he finds himself in prison for two years. Uh, he says something in, in that prison that, that is interesting. The, the baker and the uh, cupbearer come, and they have their dreams, and he says, it's God's business to interpret dreams. I think when he had his first dreams, he was so sure of the meanings. But when he was in prison, he was locked up. He wasn't so certain anymore. And he's like, I th- well, God, God does that. He interprets dreams, but I'm not too sure of my own. Questioning the purpose. Locked up in a prison. What about Elijah? Uh, Elijah gives this amazing prophetic word that there's going to be no rain in the land, and the next thing God says to him, he says, go and hide by a brook, because the king's going to want to take you out after that prophetic word. 
And so he goes to a brook which is more like a swamp and he eats meat given to him by a raven. That can't have tasted good. <laughs> but then he's called off to a widow's house and he sees an amazing miracle. Um, she says she has no food. He asks the widow to feed him. But then after that, he says, you know what, your, your flour containers and your oil containers will never run dry. They'll always be full. And so you see, well, you know, he's back on track, but then the widow's son dies. And Elijah's like, what's going on? And then he heals her. Uh, heals the son, sorry. The next thing, he's called out to the Mount, Mount Carmel and he has the battle with the prophets of Baal. Gets a tremendous victory. Again. And then he's on the run from Jezebel. And then he's hiding in a cave. And you look at it and you say, really? <laughs> What's going on? We, we see the highlights, don't we? But we can sometimes miss these seasons, these times where you would question the very purposes of God. King David's anointed king. He's put in Saul's palace. He, he takes down Goliath. And then he's on the run from Saul, a jealous king for 8 to 15 years, hiding in the desert, in the wilderness. No wonder he prayed that psalm that you know, Jesus later said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see David as this king ruling and reigning and doing well, but we miss the season where we'd questioned God's purposes. John the Baptist prepares the way for the Lord. He says this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he finds himself in prison. And he sends disciples to go to Jesus and says, are you really the one we're looking for? Because somehow I can't equate my circumstances to who you are. And Jesus is like, keep your head, John, you know. Sorry about that. I don't, I don't that was the only joke I had today. That's gone now. Been and gone. Sorry. He's in heaven. He doesn't mind. Um, but that's before the cross. But then the other side of the cross, you have the Apostle Paul. And he gives that, do you remember he gives that spill and it's like, I've been, I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, I've been shivering, I've been shaking. And, and you, you kind of look at this stuff and you say, what about your purposes, God? How does this all fit into place? I'm sorry if this isn't very inspiring. <laughs> you know, I, I remember uh, once there was a, a Brentford manager and he, he knew he was going to get the sack at the end of the season. And so he told they had one more match to play and they had to win. But because he knew he was getting the sack, he told all the other players who were leaving after the game who was going to get the sack with him. And they got absolutely slaughtered and they got beaten up. So it's like, almost like, if I'm going down, you're coming with me. <laughs> but I'm not trying to do that to you today. I'm really, I'm really not. Um, but there's just question marks over... We can have question marks over the purposes of God and it's like, you know, you might say, I'm sick or... You might say, I'm single, I want to get married. You might say, I'm in something and I think I should be in something else. Or 
I don't understand why I'm moving from something into something else. Uh, this can give you so many questions about the purposes of God. And we need to understand how the purposes of God work in order for us to move through every season we face. I think one of the areas we get confused is that um, we say that God has a plan for our lives. <laughs> and the very term we use to say that, that God has a plan, it causes us to conjure up something. And it's uh, a step-by-step -step process. And if we feel like God has got a plan for our lives then there can always be a danger or a fear on our part that if we miss a step or we're out of step, then we're out of the plan. And, and that's dangerous for us. Um, I think one verse that we, we may hinge all of this on is <coughs> Jeremiah 29.11, which is that famous scripture, is, I know the plans I have for you, right? Uh, a, a, a future and a hope, a plan to prosper you, sorry and not to harm you a future and a hope. And if we, if we believe God has lined us up to have a plan that is step by step, process by process, we're all going to be disappointed. And in fact, we would all question the, perp the, the plans of God for our lives. And if we were honest we would probably say, God, your plans suck. <laughs> now, either what I've said is biblical or God's being really gracious with me because I haven't been struck down for saying it. <laughs> but the word plan in Jeremiah... Actually, Sonia, I know you read the King James and I'd never, ever let you do this. But I'm going to let you come up here and read that verse from the King James Version. Come and read it with me. <laughs> Come and read Jeremiah 29, 11 to us. We need a microphone, don't we? Do you know it from the authorised? Can you read it? You need to read it from your version. Like I said, we'll never let you do this normally. Thou can read it from... Thou version. Yeah, I'm getting used to it as you're going. As you're going, you're getting used to my version. King James? Of course it is. As you're going. Jeremiah 29.11, preach it, sister. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you 
unexpected end. Can you say it again? <coughs> For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's not really flowing, is it? <laughs> um, I think that, see, that word in there that we use for plans, the word in the authorised version is thoughts. And so God says that he knows the thoughts he has towards you. And it's a different word to the word plans. And um, we can sometimes, we've got, to, we've got to look at the meaning of words. And even the word plan isn't a wrong word. You know, like the NIV says plan, but it's not a wrong word. But it's not plan as in a process. It's plan as in an intention. Um, so if you're going on holiday, you plan to go on holiday, but you don't plan every step on the way. <laughs> and so God is planning an expected end. And that's what he's saying. There is an intention and thoughts towards you, which means that God hasn't got you on a step-by-step plan, but he's got you with a purpose in mind that will bring you to an expected end. And it's the difference between a clipboard and a checklist and a compass. See, if you've got a clipboard and a checklist, you have to go through every step. But if you've got a compass, it's all about the direction he moves you in. I remember once I went camping, um, I did the Duke of Edinburgh Award at school and it's quite a, a well-known award. I only done it so I could get out of lessons. And uh, <laughs> one of the things you got to do on this, on this uh, course was go on an expedition. And we went to an expedition down to, I think it was down to Exmoor. And uh, we had to make it from a point where they dropped us off to uh, a point where the campsite was. And there was a team of girls, and we were in a team of guys, and so obviously we you know, said, we're going to win, we're going to beat you. And uh, we headed off, and we had a plan. So we knew where we had to turn, we knew where we were going. And we made it to a point, like a checkpoint, and we were well ahead of the girls, so we left a little note saying, please make the tea when we get there, um, and we're off we go again. Um, but as we were talking, and we were just you know, walking, having a laugh, and we missed a step on the plan. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves in a field facing a wild horse. <laughs> and we thought, this, this couldn't be part of the plan. So we had to ditch the plan. And we had to depend on the compass. And so we got a map. And we were like, this is where we need to get to. Put the the compass on it, it was southwest. So we start to go southwest, but we come to a ridge, so we had to go that way. <laughs> and then we had to adjust and come back round. And we made it to the campsite. But it was the compass what got us where we needed to be, not the checklist. See, in life, sometimes you can be going due north and you need to be going southeast. <laughs> And so God might just chuck in a, an east. <laughs> Maneuver you in some way so that you can 
go back to where you're meant to be to move in your purposes. I used to, um, I used to go to my, I remember I used to go to my, my grandmother's house, my nan's house, nan's house is better in it, grandmother. Um, and I would get, go out in the garden and I would get ants, I would collect ants and I'd make like a little ant run. And I would set everything up to try and guide them in a certain direction. And if they, if they didn't do it, I would, I would take them and I would kill them. I'd destroy them. <laughs> to, uh... <laughs> but if they, if they completed it, they, you know, they, they, they got to live. It was okay. And, uh... But, you know, sometimes the ants went in different directions. <laughs> and, and God doesn't squash you if you go in a different direction. But he, de- he does redirect your route to bring you back into his purposes. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. I hope you know that. And you probably do see that. It's important that that you know as a church, it's important that I know as an individual, it's important that you know as an individual (coughs) that God never abandons us. That he has promised to complete the good work he started. He's promised that in this church. He's promised it in Joel. He's promised it in Herman. He's promised it in Abigail. He's promised it in each one of you that you will he will complete the work that he's started he's promised that and sometimes life can leave you perplexed and I think Paul says that right he says we're perplexed but we're not crushed that we're we're hunted down but we're still getting up and it's almost um, that, that word that, that's in that passage is there's one word that's really key, and it's the word but. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are knocked down, but we keep getting back up. We are hunted down, but we are not abandoned by God. That's what that word says. And I'll just share something that was said, and, and I think all of you know that this has been a difficult season I think for six months we've been walking through this and I've just been questioning all the time I don't know what to do I don't know whether I should be staying I don't know whether I should be going I don't know if I should be waiting I don't know if I should just be getting out there and and we've been going backwards and forwards and I've been walking through that journey with a lot of people here and it got to a point where it was just too much um This is so rubbish. This is so crap. I spoke to the elders and the, the trustees, and I and I told them my plans and. Um, 
last week, as you know, I sent out a letter saying that I'm going to be leaving. Um, the day I, I handed in my resignation, I, I got an email from, from a guy I worked with six years ago. And uh, the email was really strange. It, it said, uh, Lee, um, what's going on? What's wrong? We talked last night. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit, what's happened? And uh, I, didn't, I didn't respond to it straight away because there was a lot going on. And the day after I handed in my resignation, uh, when I, sorry, the day after I submitted the letter to you guys, um, I phoned this guy up and I said, can you tell me what you mean that we, that we talked last night? And he said, we were just standing in a field and he said, and I asked you, Lee, what was, what's wrong? And he said, you had a heavy heart and you just said, I have to leave, I have to leave. I haven't spoken to him in six years. And what was the interesting thing for me was that it wasn't, it wasn't, yes, this, what you're doing is right. And it wasn't, leave what you're doing is wrong. It was, but God. It was, but God. But God will not abandon you. And sometimes you might think you've screwed it up. You failed. You might think that your circumstances are working against you. You might think the situation you're facing. I know people here are facing difficult circumstances as well. And I think the word for you is, but God. But God will not abandon you. But God will see you through. But God has a purpose. But God is still with you. It would be so much easier if God just told us what to do. But that would be dictatorship. It's interesting that, you know, before, before the, the Holy Spirit comes, they, they're making decisions and they cast lots, right, to... Uh, they've got 11 apostles and they want to know who the 12th is going to be. And so the, the apostles cast lots and they get Matthias. And you think like, all right, that's a good way to do it. You know, you're solid. You know that God's spoken to you. And then after the Holy Spirit comes, thing cha things change a lot. And they have this massive issue. The Jewish believers want the Gentile believers to be circumcised. And so they have this massive council at Jerusalem. And it says in this verse, and it stuns me sometimes, it says, you know, they were discussing whether believers should be circumcised or not. And it said, well, it, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And I, and I read that and it was almost like, oh, it feels right. <laughs> it's like, God, why didn't you do like you did with the casting lots? And, and the truth of it is, is that I think God wants to bring us all to a place of maturity where we make decisions with him in mind. And if our goal in anything is that he gets glorified, then I don't think you can go wrong. How am I doing, Shep? I was going to see if you had anything ready on judgments, just in case. But <laughs> you're okay. I think one of the, I'm just going to switch it up. I feel like a little bit like Bill Johnson. He, he starts with a subject and he goes a hundred different ways. And uh, I think one of the, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but 
one of the prophetic words that was given was that um, this would be an apostolic house, I believe it. It's going to happen. God is doing it. Um, but Phil was a father to the fatherless. And he's the closest thing to a father I've got. Like, in, you know, and I see that there are people that have come here that, you know, maybe have come from a place of broken brokenness or a broken family, and I'll just say to you, you're not in any safer place. I just want to honour you. You just poured so much into me. Like, you're the best, really. I love you so much. You're just the best. Um, this is so ridiculous. Um, I better bring this one into land, don't I? <laughs> bring it in quickly. <laughs> Purposes, plans, fill. Um, <laughs> give, give me five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, the last thing, I, I just want to just hit on that purposes and that I'm so glad that he says he works everything together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And then it goes on to say we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And we sung that song that God makes something beautiful out of me. <laughs> and that purpose never stops <laughs> for each of us. He is going to continue that journey where he, where he leads us and he's, he's making something out of us. And he's making us like Jesus. That's his journey. That's his... Sorry, that's our journey and that's his prerogative. That's his desire, that's his heart. And I know Luke's over in the corner there and Luke's a sculptor. And I went round to visit him the other day and he was doing a, he was sculpting, did you call it a bust, right? Is that we? yeah, okay. Um, and uh, this wealthy banker paid, I hope, a lot of money um, to have uh, a bust replicated of himself. And it just spoke to me that Jesus has paid such a high price. And he will have himself replicated in us. He will have his purpose complete. He will have his expected end. And that will be for you and it will be for me. And I don't know, I mean, I'm here for two more weeks. It's just going to be... Interesting. Uh, but I, I just look forward to that, knowing that all of us are on this journey and we're all being conformed to his image and we will get there. And uh, that's why it's one of those cliche things and it's a bit cheesy, but I don't want to say goodbye. <laughs> I think uh, I'll tell you this story just to finish this and I'll close this up. But... Uh, I've got an American friend around the corner, Keith. Some of you know him through the cafe. And his parents came over from the States. And uh, 
they went to see uh, some friends of Keith. And so Keith's friends were there, and Keith's friend's parents were there. And so Keith's dad's sitting with this Keith's friend's parents, and he said they didn't say anything, so it was really awkward. They're just like sitting in a room looking at each other. And uh, so when they got up to go, he just assumed because of Keith's friends were, you know, they were vicars, that the parents were Christians. And so he said, well, there was an Alaska, Alaskan Indians, as they don't have a word for goodbye, they just have until we meet again. And he said, you know, because we're believers, we all have this promise of where we're going and we all have a promise of purpose. So I don't have to say goodbye to you, but until we meet again. The only problem was that Keith's friend's parents hated Jesus and were atheists. <laughs> and I thought, he preached the gospel without realising it, you know. But isn't it true for us? That we do have that promise that it's until we meet again and we know who we're going to look like when we get there. He has a purpose for our lives. God bless you all.